Hello and welcome to an overdue episode of Des and Marco. I'm Des. And I'm Marco. How are you, Des? We actually haven't spoken in ages. I know, we've kind of been busy and our initial plan was always to have episodes on standby, but every episode has been last minute. <laughs> and so in this particular circumstance, a minute became a week, which became a month. And we're like, no, we need to get back on it because... I'm actually pleasantly surprised. I've received, you know, first it was like, you know, my family. And then it was like friends of family. And then it was like friends of friends getting back to me saying, when's the next Des and Marco coming out? On top of all of that, you know how Spotify do the unwrapped? Yes. There's the podcasters one as well. And I was like, yeah, maybe we should really get back onto this because there's lots of very uplifting stats. On our podcast is unwrapped. I can't remember a single one of them, but yes, I do remember smiling while I was watching that. Yeah, so I think we should persevere and this will probably kind of become a bit of a holiday special because I don't think we'll record over the holiday period, but at least episodes will come out relatively regularly. Yes, we'll try to stick to the two weeks intervals. The key word is try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll try. I'm not even going to say we'll try our best, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll try. Let's just say that. But never mind that, Des. What beer have you chosen for the holiday special? I should have actually picked a different beer, but I'm going to stick with this one. It's a Des classic. <laughs> so is it like what, ham and cheese? Or? No, it's banana. <laughs> <laughs> it is a Des classic. Yeah. It's, um, it's banana bread beer, and it's made by the Eagle Brewery, which I have no idea where it's from. So it's, for, it's Danish. It's actually from, it's a Carlsberg subsidiary. So Eagle Brewery, okay. and it's uh, called banana bread beer. Hmm. Where do you find these beers? They find me. Yeah. So if you're a brewery and you have a funky beer you want Des to drink, please write to us at Des and Marco. Anyway, so I have a beer that was gifted to me by Jay, who's a good friend of the podcast. Um, and only now I'm getting around to drinking it. It's from the Shimai, Shimei, Shimei Brewery in um, Belgium. And it is the, the Shimei Blue. So it's like a um, ale. Okay, bottoms up. Yes, cheers. I will leave my review to the end. <laughs> yes. Quite a few things have happened in the last, uh, in the last, I think, month since we last recorded. So first off, the, w the first thing I want to talk about is the Tesla Cybertruck is out. They ironed out the engineering and uh, now, it's, uh, now it's a thing. You can pre-order it with delivery starting 2024. Yeah. Um, so for, yeah, it's, it is out, but huge asterisk. They delivered only 10. Yeah, but that's fine. I mean, next year is when they'll, they'll deliver the vast majority, I guess. We haven't been the biggest fans of Tesla on the, on the channel. And I have to say, I find the Cybertruck horrible looking. Like, it is literally a three-year-old drawing a pickup truck. But um, I saw a couple of videos, and the engineering behind it is insane. Like, it yeah. is actually game-changing. 
Uh, it's really interesting. And I'm saying interesting because it's doing a lot of things very differently. And I personally am questioning whether a lot of it is kind of like, no pun intended, reinventing the wheel. For example, it's made out of stainless steel. And steel is not a great metal for bending and molding, which is why it's not particularly loved by the automotive industry. And on top of that, they have learned that to cast metal into different shapes, it often leaves marks and it doesn't give you that polished appearance. So they developed a new way to bend steel so that they could make it into a shape. But here's a big but. They couldn't meet the curvature coefficient for like pedestrian safety in Europe, which is 0.36. And hence the very angular design, which is in their prototype, which is apparently street legal in America, would not be street legal in Europe. Yeah, which is fine because we don't really buy enormous pickup trucks on this side of the ocean. But that's fine. I mean, I think the interesting things about it are this is the first vehicle that has steer by wire, meaning the the steering wheel is not connected to the wheels, like physically. It's basically a joystick that then sends signals to like little motors that steer the wheels, both front and back, meaning that at low speeds, you steer a lot while at high speeds it tends to steer a lot less so like you can the the steering ratio is variable and this is something the automotive world has been trying to do for years and tesla goes on and does it first second thing well you look puzzled i don't think they're the first i'm pretty sure lexus and toyota are being doing They've it on a done few prototypes but they never put it on the market ah okay fine so and and to power that the steering as well as everything else there is you know the um, 12 volt battery in your car that yeah. essentially powers like the radio and things like that like the windshield wipers and things like that that has been in place since the 60s like the 12 volt batteries now tesla changed it to 48 because a car requires a lot more, like has a lot more gadgets uh, running at the same time, whether it's your electric dashboard or it's your radio or it's your sat-nav or it's your Apple CarPlay or whatever. So this is the first time the automotive world does that. And then from like a structural point of view, the like they call it the exoskeleton because like in a normal car, the, the outside panels, like the body, is not structural, like it doesn't support the vehicle itself. And basically it's what you were saying, like it's all bendy and it can crash easily. Or like if you crash into it, it bends a lot. Um, this, in this, uh, in the Cybertruck, it's like steel. So it's very, like it doesn't dent, it doesn't bend. And it's part of the, I mean, it, I guess it improves the safety. So I don't know. Um, still not a huge fan of Tesla, but and definitely not a fan of the Cybertruck. But this is it's quite interesting from from an engineering point of view. The truck itself is delayed by quite a bit from when it was meant to be released. And uh, another thing, in typical Musk fashion, we could probably argue the price has been was overestimated or underestimated, if you uh, if you want. And the range overestimated. So I think it was meant to be starting from $39,900. And the lowest price at release for a variant, which won't even be available until at least 2025, is actually 61000 And 
the most expensive version was meant to be close to 60,000 and instead it's going to it's pushing 100. Yeah. Much more expensive than initially anticipated and the range is much less than originally hoped and Tesla is always a little bit overzealous with its portrayal of its mileage. So it's saying around 350 miles of range and they were promising 500 plus. So those two stats are a little bit disappointing. But as you said, the car, including all its madness, is out. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see the first reviews. I'm curious to, curious to see them. Speaking of other things that are going to come out. <laughs> in 2025, no less. In 2025. Finally, 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 Rockstar dropped the trailer for GTA 6, and it's going to take place in Vice City. I think it's really interesting how Rockstar had to release the trailer early because it got leaked on Twitter with some sort of Bitcoin scam. Okay. Did you not hear this? No. So it got leaked, and it was leaked with a watermark edging you to buy into a crypto investment scheme, which is clearly spam. But the leak was real. And, uh, and so Rockstar was forced to release it earlier than planned uh, on YouTube because they will not advertise on uh, Twitter slash X for reasons. And Twitter slash X have been kind of shadow banning any mention of Rockstars, which I think is quite funny. But despite this, it's, ra- it's the most watched video game trailer in history. And it's been, what, 13 years since, P- from, since GTA 5? Yeah, something crazy like that. So, I mean, in between, they did release Red Dead Redemption 2. But yeah, Rockstar hasn't done anything major in ages. And just a reminder that GTA 5 remains the single highest grossing entertainment product in history, including cinema, music, etc. It's made well over a billion dollars in sales. And that's not including, for example, the, the, the money raised from microtransactions on GTA 5 online. So people have commented on how Rockstar was in no rush to make a new version because they were just milking it so well. I remember playing it on the PlayStation 3. Yep. And now it's on PlayStation 5, which, by the way, I bought. Dum bum bum. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I finally got, I caved and and I got one. I did say a few episodes ago that... The slim version was the one that I wanted to get. Then I found a Black Friday offer for the regular one, and I just went with that. I think that's a good move. Yeah. But the regular one is massive. It's like, <laughs> it's as big as a fridge. I didn't know that. Um, it's, yeah, it's enormous. But just to say a little bit about that, it's like graphics-wise and things like that. I'm not seeing a particular... Like, wow, this is incredible. This is so much better than the four or anything. Maybe because I'm playing still some games that were ported from PlayStation 4, but still it runs fantastic. Like it's smooth and everything. It's, it's all good. But the thing that's by far the most insane is the loading times. They are zero, basically. Like wow. you can go from the PlayStation being off to playing in 30 seconds. Incredible. Yeah, I, I, I really, really love that. And the controller is really cool, especially like the, the force feedback or the, yeah, yeah. The, like the vibration is really good. And for example, now I'm playing a game where you're like riding a horse and like it really feels like the, like the, the, the horse is like running on different 
surfaces. surfaces. Wow. And like, yeah, you, you feel that. And the, the triggers, they're depending on the game. They can be either like really soft or like they can, like if it's a shooting game, like it feels like a trigger for a gun. Wow. So it's like yeah. really immersive. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit more immersive than the than the four, but the, yeah, the controller is really fantastic. But yeah, and then once I I move on to um to a video game that was made for PlayStation Five, I like I got it in a bundle with the Spider Man Two game, which reviewed fantastic, but didn't win the video game awards. So once I moved on to that one, I'll uh, I'll be able to tell you a bit more about like graphics and things like that. Speaking of the video game awards, the game that that did win game of the year wasn't Tears of the Kingdom, the latest Zelda game, which was yeah. also in the running. It was Baldur's Gate 3, a game which was made by Belgian studio Larian Games. And I've started playing this with a group of friends online. And so oh, I've okay. literally only done the introduction bit. And it's a Dungeons & Dragons based game. Um, if you're into Dungeons & Dragons, which I am not, so huge asterisk there, that most, most of the things I will say are wrong. But it's... Um, As it's opposed a- to the usual things <laughs> that you say that are right. You yeah, know? but this way I won't need to apologize for it next week. Because no, I've told true. you, chances are it's wrong. You pre-apologize. I pre-apologize. So basically... In the Dungeons and Dragons world, there is a place called Baldur's Gate, and this is set in that universe. And what I think really sets it apart is that it really gives you that feeling of anything is possible. So, okay. you know, you will come across situations where you can tackle things in many ways. You can try to talk your way out of it, charm, you can go in guns blazing, swords wielding, or you can kind of use spells. And... Each time you kind of make a decision, it will come down to like, you have to roll a dice. And so there's the element of like, it can fail. But if it fails, then you have to try something else. So it's very much like the game Dungeons and Dragons, which is why it's been so well received, because it really kind of encapsulates that anything can happen spirit of the game, which is not something I've done before. And so it plays very well. And the quality assurance in this has been top-notch like the voice acting the the graphics aren't the best in the world but they suit the medium perfectly and i can see why it won because it's uh, so different and unlike many other studios it's actually kind of delivered a complete product without the need for dlc no microtransactions and i think we mentioned previously how other studios like the big ones immediately kind of started saying do not expect this they're an anomaly they're not the norm because yeah. they're kind of like trying to downplay the expectations of fans for what they're offering in the future. That is very refreshing. And uh, so I think it can be wholeheartedly recommended. And again, because of this, I, I decided to watch the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which came out maybe just under a year ago, which was oh, also okay. well-reviewed. And it's got Chris Pine in it, Michelle Rodriguez. It's got a, it's a pretty good cast. And I heard it reviewed well. And it's actually really good. So the name of the movie is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It's really funny and it kind of both plays into, but at the same time doesn't commodify the usual stereotypes of like a fantasy movie. It was a really fun, clever watch. Okay. Do you know where you can find it? It's on Paramount. So, uh, or you can rent it on Amazon or, you know, if yeah. you're a fan of sailing the high seas, there's other ways you can watch it. <laughs> Do you have Paramount Plus, by the way? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Kannatti. But okay. yeah, uh, I recommend that movie. It is very, very good. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, because also the, the Christmas break is coming up and I'm really, really looking forward to just doing nothing and playing, uh, continuing to play my, my video games. Moving on, there's a lot of debate over the color of bubbles in messages. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start off by saying I have never owned an iPhone. I know you have. Yeah. So I don't think this is a thing in Europe. It's very much a thing in the US. And if you use iMessage as your standard or go-to messaging app. If you text other iMessage phones, you will get a blue bubble in the reply. So they will see you as a blue bubble. You will see them as a blue bubble. But if you text a non-iMessage phone, such as an Android phone, you will get a green bubble. And iMessage is like any other messaging app, let's say WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, yeah. And you can send videos and, vid and react to messages and do this and do that and the other with no loss of quality and, you know, ease of use and something which we take for granted on almost any app. Yeah. And it uses data. Yeah, it uses data, data, but it still like it uses like use. the text network. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is an Apple thing. So in the US, it uses data, but it acts like your normal de facto SMS App. Yeah, yeah, it's your yeah your messages app. Yeah. So in the US, if you were to share a picture with someone who's not using an uh, iMessage, it will degrade the quality. You can't. You can only share video uh, up to a certain size, and the videos are all pixelated and horrible. And so there's a huge divide there between like green bubbles and blue bubbles, mm -hmm. like to the point that one of the reasons why Android phones are struggling to break into the US is down to the fact that they are green bubbles. Yeah, yeah, to the point, like, I think in the, in the younger demographics, it even is, like, kids are being bullied for having Android phones and things like that. Like, it's, the Apple has, uh, has control over that demographic, let's say. Which is crazy, because, like, in Europe, everyone uses WhatsApp or Telegram, and if you have a green bubble or blue bubble, no one cares. Yeah, exactly, because, yeah, because... People tend to text in via other apps. Although I have to say a little thing. This past week, I had two colleagues wanting to like send me a, a video or something. And they're like, oh, can I airdrop this? Or like, what's your iMessage? I was like, no, I've got a Samsung. And they just looked at me like I was a homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what? <laughs> so yeah, I got to buy an iPhone now. I got bullied into it. Okay, now this is where the next bit of the story gets interesting. Many companies have been trying to get Android phones to show up as a blue bubble. Yeah. Notably, just very recently, because he's very much in the internet, Carl Pei, who's the CEO of the Nothing Company, which make the Nothing Phone, and the Nothing Phone 2, the one with the fancy LEDs on the back, which they call Glyphs, he's trying to break into the US. And one of the way they're doing it is by offering a nothing messaging app, which is partnered with a company called Sunbird, and it will give you blue bubbles. Yeah. And the way they do that is that you sign in with your Apple ID and credentials, and they take that data that you've inputted, and they will put it into a Mac mini server farm, and they will act like a relay between Apple okay. and you. So if you're sending a message to an iPhone, 
it will go through the Mac Mini server farm of Sunbird to Apple. Apple will then respond to the Mac Mini, which then gets forwarded on to you. Okay. I can't see that being too safe or too... Exactly. So by default, it's not end-to-end encrypted. And uh, they said, you know, you know, they didn't really say anything, to be honest, until people found out that they were storing all the messages and, importantly, your iCloud, Apple ID, and password in clear text. Okay. <laughs> so they immediately pulled the app. Like, it wasn't safe. Yeah. Other companies are also doing this. And I think last time we had this, uh, last time we had the podcast, we were talking about like products which come of disappeared and stuff like that. And we yeah. spoke about the Pebble. Oh yeah, the, the little smartwatch. Yeah, the thing. first kind of smartwatch, Kickstarter darling and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. The CEO of Pebble, which eventually got sold to Fitbit, which eventually got sold to Google. So uh, he is using his millions uh, to form a new company called Beeper, like, you know, like the beepers in the past, like in the 80s. Yeah. And um, so their biggest app at the moment is called Beeper Cloud. And its idea is to use uh, one app to consolidate your, um, uh, your signal, your WhatsApp, your Telegram, uh, your texts, your iMessage oh, into clever. one app. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad idea. But the same problem about how do you get the blue bubbles in iMessage on an app. And so they do the same thing with the, with the whole relay system, but they've not had any major issues and, you know, their information is encrypted. It's not accessible. So a bit more trustworthy than what, for example, nothing was doing, but yeah. like there is still that risk until literally like a week ago or a week at time of recording. And this is where it's, it's really cool. So while this situation exists, a 16-year-old high school student, for fun, was able to create a way to spoof an Apple device and use iMessage on, like, a Linux computer. Okay, wow. And he uploaded this kind of protocol for free on GitHub as a project for fun. Okay. And I think the main purpose of it was for Hackintosh systems, you know, when you put macOS on a non-Mac computer. Yeah, which I guess is getting more difficult now because Apple moved away from conventional uh, chips, so Intel chips, and is making their own. Hence, controlling even more of the of the package. For exactly that reason is why this kid did this because he thought it was fun. He's obviously smart and into computers. And uh, Eric Mijakowski from previous release from Pebble, now from Beeper bought out the, the, the software. From the kid? From the kid. Okay. So he sold it for an undisclosed amount. And so what is up on GitHub stays on GitHub, but any further work belongs to Beeper, the company. Okay. Last week, they released an app called Beeper Mini. And again, it's a simple messaging app, but it spoofs iMessaging or whatever. I so okay. it, it gave you the blue bubbles. And importantly, it did it on your device. So it was end-to-end encrypted. Oh. Exactly. And they were charging $2 per month. As you can imagine, Apple was not happy. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I, I can see that happening. It was a great success. It was like, it was working. There's a very good YouTube video from, uh, uh, I forgot his name. The channel is called Snazzy Labs. And he, oh, yeah. yeah. So he talks about, 
what's happening behind the scenes to get this app to work and how iMessage works and the protocol that they use. But he makes it very understandable, much more than I would be able to do. And so I was like really interested in this thinking, okay, first of all, it's a solution to a problem which shouldn't exist. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. But at the same time, it's, you know, app, like Apple created iMessage and it's, it's how it uses or how it convinces users to stay in the Apple ecosystem. I mean, they're a company, they're, they're, their goal is to make money. It's not like, of course they're going to do that. Okay, so I agree with you, but we'll get into some technicalities which I think are interesting. Anyway, after okay. maybe a week, Apple were not happy. Without any announcement whatsoever, the app stopped working. Beeper then on Twitter kind of addressed all of this. And they said, we're working on a fix, this, that, and the other. And there isn't a fix yet for Beeper Mini, but they, the Beeper Cloud with the relay system is back up and running. And Apple then put up a statement saying that they made changes to protect the security of their users. And it's a bit of a hollow thing because... They said what you said, and obviously they want to protect their customers, but it's not making yeah. things safer for those customers because they're forcing them to send messages to non-iPhone phones using an unsecure SMS technology. So yeah. this would have made things more secure. Okay, so that's the first thing. So I personally agree with you, and I think Apple is taking umbrage with the fact that someone's kind of using iMessage to make a for-profit product. Yeah. Yeah, Which is the arguable point, and I, I agree it's not great. But here's the thing about legality. So, especially in Europe, I think US is different. If you reverse engineer a product for the sake of interoperability, that is protected by law. Okay. So, so you can do that. You can do that. So basically... Let's say I've got a product with just emailing messages and I make another product and I want to be able to send messages to your product. If I then make, if I make changes to prevent you from, you from sending messages to my product, that's illegal. Yeah, okay. Imagine like, I don't know, you're with a phone company and I try to phone you and it won't accept you, my phone call because I'm not with your company. That's what we're getting at. So if this were to go to court, it would get kind of messy. But I still think it's incredible that a 16-year-old reverse-engineered iMessage and got it to work. Yeah, with giants like Google and, and such trying to do that for, for, for ages. Yeah. Or not necessarily trying to do that, but I do remember that like Google and Samsung and a bunch of others have been desperately trying to convince Apple to join the, um, what's it called, R RCS standard? Yeah which is like a messaging standard from what I understand. And Apple's like, no, we got iMessage, we're good, thank you. But they've had to, they've now said that they will join it, but whether they'll use the most up-to-date protocols or whether they will handicap it so, so that iMessage remains better. Yeah. But uh, that's the problem. So until recently, they refused to embrace the RCS standard. And, uh, and so if you didn't have an iPhone, you were stuck using crappy SMSs to communicate with Apple and non-Apple devices. So, um, I, yeah, I don't get it. Why does the US not just use better apps like in Europe? <laughs> well, because they got a, no, in, in all fairness, iMessage is great. Like I have a couple of friends that I talked to on, on iMessage and it is arguably better than WhatsApp. 
but it's limited as, as in I can only text my friends when I'm sitting at my Mac or I'm using my iPad because my phone doesn't have it. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I've never but used like, it. So an, is it, is app, it that good? It's just, it's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's a messaging app. It's not like one is way better than the other. Ultimately, the best app is the one where all the people you know are on. Like, you know, we, we had an episode, what was it, in season one, where we talked about WhatsApp and like a huge scandal about, oh, everybody's moving off of WhatsApp. No one moved off of WhatsApp. So, <laughs> you know, so that's the app I continue using. And I installed Telegram to text you. And that's <laughs> it. <laughs> and I installed Signal to text one friend of mine. And that's it. It's like I have these apps and I don't use them ever. Because everyone's still on Telegram. So if everyone moved to iMessage, then yeah, I would probably feel pressured to get an iPhone or use one of these uh, fishy apps. But But in in all honesty, I started looking into this Beeper Cloud app. There is a waiting list at the moment. Um, It's currently free, but it's like in beta or alpha or something. But the idea of merging all of these WhatsApps, Telegrams and etc. into one app, I don't know how they implement it because each one offers something slightly different. Yeah. Uh, but the idea is pretty cool. Like, no, it is. Yeah. Like one app to unite them all. Yeah, exactly. Because now you have, yeah, exactly. Like I was saying before, you end up having six different apps to talk to six different people, which is stupid. So if there was just one app where I could just text all my friends, that would be great. Yeah. But I also think the situation in the US with the, the green bubble, blue bubble snobbery is just stupid. Yeah, that we can agree on. <laughs> yeah, that is really silly. But hey, I mean, kudos to Apple for making it a thing. It's like evil kudos. It's like, yeah, yeah you know, like, yes, seg- was it divide and conquer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, divide and profit. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it is, it is pretty silly but eh, i don't know people people use uh, iMessage over there anyway sorry i i don't win i hope it came across as interesting as opposed to ranty but i thought it was really interesting what's going on and the whole the, the massive effort being put in to get blue bubbles on text apps because they yeah. believe that is going to sell phones well i mean you you started off by talking about the the nothing phone and I get that because the nothing phone, yes, it has fancy lights in the back, but it's essentially what the, that company is trying to do is to do a cheaper iPhone. Yeah. And so what's the one thing missing from, from on an Android phone? It's the blue bubble. So of course they're going to try to do something like that because that's how you get into the US market. You put an iPhone with fancy lights that has blue bubbles, it's going to sell. And cost half as much. Yeah. And fancy lights. And fancy lights, yeah. Wait, <laughs> can I just say, I think uh, the Nothing phone in general, it started off as just, it's not quite a flagship phone and it's got fancy lights. But the general review is that it's a really good phone. Yeah, actually both of them. Like the first one was a good mid-range phone. And now the, the second one is a good flagship. Yeah. I think it, it doesn't have all the bells and whistles of, say, an S22 Ultra or 23 Ultra, but it's a good phone. One thing, I saw a really cool documentary because the general trend of mobile phones is that we now appreciate the damage that being constantly distracted and, and can do to you. And there's various 
methods people are using to try, you know, get you to use your phone less. And yeah. there are some sort of uh, alarms which say you've used it for four hours or, you know, this, that and the other. But apparently the Nothing phone is aiming to kind of remove color and distractions from their icon packs and from the way they give you notifications. Yeah. And apparently their whole aesthetic is built around minimal functionality, despite the fact it's a fully capable smartphone. So, you know, you're not, the colors of the, of the apps are kind of bare minimum so that you're not distracted when you're picking up the phone to do something specific. Yeah, and that's something, maybe we should do like a separate episode on that, because that's something I'm really interested in now. There, I saw a, an Android launcher that I think it was called like Minimalist Launcher or some something like that, that it basically, like your homepage just has like four lines, which is like texts, calls, maps, I don't know, browser or whatever. And it's in black and white. And I'm kind of tempted to try it because recently I uninstalled TikTok from my phone because I was literally just spending hours on it every day. I uninstalled LinkedIn. So um, I probably next will be Instagram because I realized I just pick up my phone and do nothing, not necessarily productive, but it's like it adds nothing. Like it doesn't, it's not that entertaining. It's not, and it's just a reflex. Like you pick up your phone, you open an app and, and you scroll through it. So I don't know. You once mentioned about, uh, you once talked to me about a phone that's like on, doesn't have a screen, but it has like e-ink. Yeah. Which I get, but at the same time, it's just like, what if I'm just out and I want to look at the map to see where's the nearest restaurant? And it's, you know, it's not the same. No, it's not the same. And I'm tempted by that. But uh, even though the color e-ink phones, for example, are very good and they, you know, you can watch videos on them, but it's a pain. Yeah. Maps don't update that quickly. So you could argue that it's quite good at maps. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I see your point. but. I, again, the limitation there is that, for example, you know, me and you, we use our phones as, as cameras. Yeah. And when you lose the screen, you lose the camera. Yeah, exactly. So well. it's a huge compromise. We spoke about having two phones, which seems yeah. a very like expensive first world solution to a first world problem. No, but to be honest, I was actually talking to someone about this the other day because I have two SIM cards. I have like my personal one and my work one. In fairness, I don't need to because <laughs> I never receive any phone calls from anyone. But, and I'm kind of thinking, do I want to, like I, I used to carry two phones and it was especially good because the minute I got home, like from work, it was pre-pandemic. The minute I got home from work, I could just put my work phone like at the entrance and then just really disconnect, which was like, that was a good thing. The bad thing was that I was carrying two phones. And now because the phone I have can, you can put two SIM cards in it. So I've got both on the same phone. Yeah, I don't know. I, I still can't quite decide whether which is better whether just having to carry the one phone around but having my work notifications with me all the time and there's some crazy people that tend to email you during the weekend or just you know disconnect but that means most of the time having two phones with you difficult one one thing i was semi-interested in is uh, with foldables becoming cheaper especially the clamshell design 
it doesn't take up that much space. So having two phones when one of them's like only for pleasure and is smaller or vice versa, the work one is n- no, no distractions. It's just email. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> in, the, in the coming months, I'll decide and let you know because I'm... But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you, you see a new phone, you want it, and then you realize it's not that much better than the one you have. And it's, uh, I don't know, a good friend of mine recently updated from an iPhone 11 Pro to the latest of the 15 Pro, which is quite a few generations. And he was just, so I, I texted him like, so how's the new phone? Do you like it? Whatever. And he's like, it's the same. <laughs> It's better, the camera's better, it's a bit faster, like all that stuff, but it ultimately is the same. So maybe, maybe like the times where we used to change our phones every year is, is well behind us. Can I tell you something which is not the same as normal beer? <laughs> tell me, I have no idea what you're going to talk to me about. Okay, so because time is ticking, I thought I might as well just accelerate things and uh, talk about my... Banana bread banana beer bread. from the Eagle Brewery. And it's actually not terrible. Wow. <laughs> the best way I can describe this is, you know those um, banana-shaped candies, which are kind of like, uh, like granulated yellow sugar on the outside and white in the middle? Yeah, and they taste nothing like a banana. Yeah, but they've got that very fake banana flavor. Yes. Yeah, so imagine that fake banana flavor in a syrup in beer. That's what this tastes like. <laughs> wow. Is it better than mustard beer? It's better than mustard beer, but it's not as good as like the, the grapefruit beers beer. or regular beer or beer with, oh, wait till you wait for my next beer. It's a doozy. Anyway, um, so this one's not bad. It's... Uh, you taste the banana. It's clearly not banana. Can you taste the bread? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the one thing I can't taste. Because we've had, like, remember when I had that beer from Brewdog, which is made, like, with recycled bread? I vaguely remember that And one, that yeah. one tasted of bread. And we had that okay. beer in, uh, with you in Eindhoven. And they also made it with leftover bread. And it tastes of bread. Okay. I don't remember that one. No. Okay, fine. But, okay, I'll trust you on that one. I would give this a 3.5 out of a six. Pack. Oh, wow. So it's not bad. No, it's, it's not terrible. Okay. Well, I mean, there's a difference between not bad and not that. I mean, okay, whatever. Yeah, you know, fine. 3.5. Not bad. And how was yours? So my Trappist Ale Shimai Blue, which, which has 9% alcohol. So wow. I'm pretty drunk right now. Um, it's actually pretty good. I'm not huge into ale, so this is really not my cup of tea, but it is kind of sweet, kind of like caramelly. So I would say it's pretty good for being a beer that I generally don't love. So I'm going to give it a four out of a six pack. Nice. But if I'm not wrong, like this is like a good beer, isn't it? Like this is mm-hmm. a, a classical type beer, like a, a, a proper beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah, like a Trappist beer has been around for like 100, 200 years, whatever. Yeah, it's meant to be good. I think this was a good episode. Like lots of conversation, debate. Yeah, let's pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> we this still is got good. it. Like yeah. after a month, boom. We boom. Can come back this in. is the shizzle. Yeah. <laughs> and and just like that we ruined it. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like this complete lack of self-awareness is, uh, is, um, is, um, I don't know, man. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like, let's let's pretend this this sentence ended like properly. Wow. Um, so eloquent. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, there's anyway. So we are finally back after we took a little bit of a break. Today we talked about a number of things, like the Tesla Cybertruck, like GTA 6, like Baldur's Gate 3, and the Dungeons and Dragons movie, which I can't remember the title of. But more importantly, we talked about the blue bubble green bubble debate going on in the US and the mm, arguably sneaky ways that were that people are trying to get around it having said that Des, I it was nice talking to you again and uh, look forward to next time always a pleasure talking to you Marco and to everyone else see you next time and happy holidays happy holidays This is the shizzle.